Hello and welcome to livealittlehigher.com. This week we read Parasha Yitro. And Parasha Yitro recounts the most momentous event in the history of the Jewish people. It took place on Shabbat on the 6th of Sivan of the year 2448 from creation, which would be the year 1313 before the Common Era. And on that day, the Jewish people were standing by Mount Sinai. There were more than two million men, women, and children uh, in this place waiting to receive the Torah. And also the souls of the future generations of the Jewish people would be gathered in this place at the foot of Mount Sinai to receive the, the Torah. So ever since the giving of the Torah, we uh, celebrate on the 6th of Sivan this monumental date with the holiday of Shavuot which is a time of the giving of the Torah but the Torah we received at Mount Sinai had already been given to our patriarchs before this time Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob lived a Torah life. They kept every mitzvah. They even celebrated Pesach when Pesach hadn't even occurred yet. And Hashem really created the world with the Torah because the Torah is the blueprint of creation. This is the architectural plan that God created before creating the world, uh, which gave form to this, to this beautiful world in which we live. So we see here that there's a question if our patriarchs already were keeping the Torah, the mitzvot, all 613 of them, and, and, um, and, uh, and the Torah was already the blueprint of creation, so what is it that makes this day such an, a special day? What is this event so important to the Jewish people? What makes it a different situation? So the Midrash explains the significance of, the, of this event with the following uh, parable. And it says that, um, that there was once a king who decreed that the people of Rome could not go to Syria and the people of Syria could not go up to Rome. It was forbidden. And so likewise, when God created the world, he decreed, he made a decree uh, in, which is said in Psalms 115, it says the heavens are God's and the earth is given to man. So it's two very different realms, the spiritual, the physical. It's two places, the, the heavens are for Hashem and the world is for humanity and they don't mix. But when he wished to give the Torah to Israel, he resigned at his original decree, he changed his decree, and he declared the lower realms may ascend to the higher realms, and the higher realms may descend to the lower realms, and I myself will begin, will begin as it is written, and God descended on Mount Sinai. And then it says, and to Moses he said, go up to God. <coughs> so we see, that this is what changed the world. This was a complete change of, of existence, of relationship with Hashem. Uh, now Hashem wanted a dwelling place in this world. He wanted to be able to live down in this world. And the, the, the people that keep the Torah have the ability to transcend and be able to connect to something bigger than themselves, something that is infinite. So for the fir first 25 centuries of history, there existed a Gezeda, a, a decree, which split this reality in two. 
and two hermetic worlds the spiritual and the physical they were completely separate and it's not that the patriarchs as i said before they kept the torah so what how can it be that they didn't transcend how can it be that they didn't were they weren't able to bring the world up to to hashem so it says that in in their times an object could not be holy you could not make a, a, anything holy. Like if they were gonna put on tefillin, they would like take straps of leather and wrap them around their their arm, and they would like say the blessings. And the moment they took off the straps, they would throw them in the ground. It was not a holy object. So what happened at Mount Sinai that changed everything is that after Mount Sinai, humanity could make a holy objects things that had sanctity in them like a Torah scroll has sanctity there were no Torah scrolls before Moshe Rabbeinu he was the first one to write the Torah there was no mezuzahs until they left Egypt the uh, tefillim uh, Shabbos candles all these things that are really are uh, transparent to its creation which is this is what I would explain holiness with it is that when you see the, the, the reason for the existence of such an object, there is, it's, it's transparent to you. The, you would not go into the bathroom with a, with a, with a humash, with a, the book of the Torah, uh, because it's holy, or you wouldn't put it in the floor. But before the giving of the Torah, there was no such holy objects. So we could not, while we could live a life in which we could become better, to our potential, like keeping the Torah would make you a better human being. Like Abraham, he brought monotheism to the world, he made people better people. Uh, nevertheless, he was not able to transcend, in, like to connect to that part of infinitude uh, in the, from the lower realms. So he could improve and perfect it to his, up to his limited potential, but he could not transcend its inherent coarseness and subjectivity of the world. So the beauty of Mount Sinai is that God brought heaven down to earth. This is what it is. He brought heaven down to earth and he allowed us to bring earth up to heaven. And at Sinai, God revoked this decree, this Gesera, which had confined matter and spirit into two distinct uh, realms. God came down on Mount Sinai, bringing the spirituality of the heavens down to earth, and he summoned Moses to, top to, to, to the top of the mountain, empowering physical man to raise his physical self and world to a higher state of existence and conscience. So this is what the big, big gift of Mount Sinai gave the world. This, this parasha is the most important one because it gives us what we have today and this encounter be between God and man at Sinai introduced a new phenomenon which is called the Hepsa Shel Kedusha or the holy object. Before Mount Sinai there was no such a thing. People would earn money, they could not sanctify their money, they would like take water and, and, and flour and, and, and make bread, but it didn't contain the sanctity, the holiness of a challah for Shabbat, for example, because it, it, was, it wasn't being able to be elevated. So, so we see that what, we, what happened at Mount Sinai 
is that we were we became able to transform a finite physical thing into a holy transcendental infinite thing so the mitzvot could have been and were performed before the revelation at, 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 at mount sinai as i said before uh, the all the patriarchs kept the mitzvot uh, to the best of their ability, but they had not be co been commanded by God. And this is a very big difference. When you do something because you want to, it's very different than when you do something that someone wants from you. It's a very different relationship. So we find that Abraham required his servant Eliezer to take an oath. When he sent him to look for a wife for, for uh, Isaac, he asked him to promise him not to take any girls from the Midianite girls. And he said to him, please uh, make an oath with me. And he told him to place your hand under my thigh. This is very strange. Like, why would he make Eliezer promise and put his hand on a, such a place, you know? Like, what, what's going on here? And it says that an oath is taken while holding a sacred object. So, at that moment, <clears throat> Abraham is telling Eliezer to swear on the part of his own body, sanctified by the mitzvah of circumcision, of Brit Milah. And... and Abraham, before he became circumcised, he kept every, every mitzvah that he could keep. And what happened, he never circumcised himself until Hashem asked him personally to circumcise himself and his, and his house, his household. He never, he didn't do it because he, he, he wanted to serve Hashem and do something for him that he asked him to do for him. And it was a very big test because to, at 99 years old to go and get circumcised is no joke. Like, there, the, this is monumental that a person would do this. So he, spe he waited for Hashem to ask him so he could do something for him that he was asked to do. So he knew the value of, of a mitzvah. So, uh, so it says here that then did he have Eliezer place his hand under his side, contrary to all common standards of modesty and propriety. But as we said, the effects of Abraham's pre-Sinai mitzvot were of a holy spiritual nature. And since God had not commanded him to do them, they remained subject to the law that separated the supernal from the material. Because he did them because he wanted to do them. He wanted to be connected to Hashem, but he didn't do them because Hashem wanted him to do them. The only mitzvah that he did because Hashem asked him to was the mitzvah of circumcision. So the single exception was this mitzvah, which God did command Abraham, imparting to, do, to this mitzvah something of the nature of the post-Sinaitic uh, commandments of the Torah. So we see here, that the Torah tells us that God spoke the Ten Commandments. It was a one utterance. He said them all in one utterance. And it says that it was a great voice. It says that it was so incredible that people could hear with their eyes and they could see with their ears. That's how strong this voice was. And, the, and we see that the Midrash offer, uh, offers an explanation about this, this incredible voice. There was no echo in the voice. And it's very strange because they were, he was in the, on top of the mountain. Hashem was in the, in the heavens. And then you know that if you go on top of a mountain and you scream, there's going to be an echo because the, the, the voice is going to start um, 
rebounding from mountain to mountain and you're gonna have this long echo voice it's if you're gonna say margie it's gonna be margie 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 but here the phenomenon or the mystery or the miracle that happened was that when hashem uttered the ten commandments it was one long voice it didn't echo and um and the 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 what the midrash is telling us here is that this was one of the of the of the miracles that we saw at mount sinai so in truth however the echoless nature of the divine communication conveys the very essence of what transpired at sinai an echo as i said before is created when sound meets with a resistance with something that resists that it, it hits it so we see here that instead of absorbing its waves, the substance repels them, bouncing them back to the void. Prior to Sinai, the voice of Torah had an echo. It had an echo. Belonging to the spiritual of the heavens, it could not only penetrate the physicality of the earth, it could not come uh, penetrate the physicality. The world might hear of Torah and be affected by it, but there remained a certain degree of resistance, like people had a resistance towards it. And as, as, as the Torah and the physical world reach, each remain defined by the respective higher and lower realms. At Sinai, however, God resigned the decree which had severed the heavens from the earth, and the world could now fully absorb the divine voice of the Torah. This is what happened at Sinai. Like everybody was um, receptive to receiving the Torah. It says that the whole world heard the Torah. The whole world. And every monotheistic religion goes by these Ten Commandments. Except for Shabbat. But you believe in one God, you don't pray to other deities, you honor your parents, you don't steal, you don't kill, you have the courts of justice, you, you don't covet. Uh, these are things that are like basic moral, ethical things that any God-fearing person from any religion will, will follow. And at the moment of the giving of the Torah, the whole world heard it, the whole world took it in. So, so therein lies an important lesson to all of us as we pursue our mission in life to implement the ethos and ideals of the Torah to the world. And it is that the Jewish people are, were given the Torah because you know, they say the chosen people, the chosen people. And some people say, we're chosen for what? What were we chosen for? Like, really? Uh, to be who? To be what? Uh, are we better than anybody else? Does this make us better? And in reality, it does not make us better. It makes us more responsible. This is what it means to be the chosen people. Hashem offered the Torah to everybody before giving it to the Jews. Nobody wanted it because its ethical, moral standing is so high that the other nations didn't want it. They asked, what, what can't we do? No, you cannot kill. No, we don't want it. You cannot steal. No, we cannot. You cannot be adulterous. No, we don't want it. So at the end, Hashem came to the Jewish people. He asked, do you want it? There's a famous joke. They say, how much is it? And they said, it's free. So the Jewish people say, okay, give me two. This is a famous joke. But in reality, there is a truth to it. And the truth is that the Jewish people said, we will do and then we will learn. And they took the Torah. And at the end of the day, being the carriers of this truth, this uh, universal truth, 
both in the upper realms and in the lower realms make us more responsible to the world. It makes us like the big brothers of the world. We carry the world in our shoulders, it's true. And the Jew has a responsibility towards the other nations to teach them the values and the morals and what Hashem wants from everybody in this world. We have to be an example. We have to live it so other people can learn. So at Sinai we were charged to serve as a light upon the nations. We're like a, like a light lamper to actualize in our own lives and to teach all humanity. It is our responsibility. We are, and, and we are responsible for everybody. That no matter what the conditions of a particular time, place or society may be, there is, a, it, there is an all-transcendent, unequivocal, divinely ordained truth and moral code of behavior to which to adhere. You know, I don't like to talk about politics, I don't like to talk about these things because there's too many uh, ways of thought. But if you look at the world today and how people believe, so antithetical to Torah values, so antithetical, like look, all these laws of abortion that are coming out, like late-term abortion, and um, marriages that are not how Hashem wants them and intend them to be. And there are so many things. I'm not gonna get into this in discussions because it's, it's irrelevant. I teach Torah, I teach what Hashem wants from us, that's it, I don't give my opinions. But if you look at the world today, like for example, let's see this coronavirus, thing that's going on around the world that up till today there's a thousand people that have perished from it a horrendous situation but you see where it comes from it comes from eating forbidden animals it comes from eating animals that are not allowed for us to eat they're not up to consumption we should not eat these things not 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 unless in the seven Noahide laws uh, that are the seven laws that are given to, to everybody from the other nations, like we keep 613 mitzvot, they only have, have to keep seven mitzvot, one of their laws is not to eat from a, from a live animal. This is one of the seven Noahide laws. And these things have been circulating all over of how they eat live mouse, mice, live uh, frogs, live um, bats, uh, cooked bats. They eat all this stuff and we see that the, the Torah forbids this. It's, it's one of, of our mitzvot, it's not to eat these things. And uh, not only for the Jews, for everybody else. We should not be eating these types of animals. Why? We see now they create these diseases. So. Hashem has a truth, He has a will for the world, and he, we adhere to his, to his word and to His truth, which is true 3,300 years ago, and it's true today, and it was true yesterday, and it will be true tomorrow, because it's the truth, it's the only truth. We will see how, instead of living a life of, a, of, of, of echo, that everything starts jumping here and there and there, it's a long echo, we will only have one voice and, and one long voice and we'll live aligned with the truth. So, so at times we might be confronted with seemingly unresponsive and even, and even a resisting world. We, we're gonna be confronted by all this 
and, uh, and it may appear that one or another of the Torah's precepts does not fit into in, in with the prevalent reality. We will say, no, this is old-fashioned, it was okay then, but now it's not okay. So the Torah comes and tells us that the voice which sounded God's message to the world had no echo. It had no echo. It, it was absorbed. So the voice of the Ten Commandments permeated every object in the world, in the universe. So any resistance we may possibly meet in implementing them is superficial and temporary. And uh, for at Sinai, the essence of every created being was made consistent with and wholly receptive to the goodness and perfection which God desires it to be. And we'll see, when Mashiach comes, we'll all be able to see the truth. It's going to be so clear, so clear. Right now we live in a world of, 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 of lies. This is a world of lies. This is not the world of truth. The only truth we have is the Torah. And if we stick with it and we live up to it and we live with the Hashem's will and wisdom, then we will be able to see everything in a clear way. So I wish you a blessed week and remember, live a little higher. Thank you.